0: The best way to predict the future is to invent it. Stephen Ambrose brings you up to speed on what the future holds as he explores the latest technology as it impacts our lives. Well, good morning and welcome. Welcome to Tech Talk right here on IFM. Despite all the studio challenges and what's going on in the world, we're here talking tech, carrying on doing our thing as usual on i f m and this week, well, the past week has been past few weeks to be blunt, has been crazy with regard to AI and everything now chat GPT, which is everybody's choice of dinner party chat um, has become mainstream in many, many applications across many, many platforms. In the world, I mean, if you're using the latest version of Windows, it's baked right in and works right from the taskbar. If you use the latest version of Office, it's there to help you do so. So all sorts of things. Again, if you're using a fairly latest version of the uh, Microsoft browser, you are, you know, the Edge browser, you also have got ChatGPT or whatever they, you know, built in. The co-pilot, as they call it, is built in. It's able to answer multiple questions. It is pretty amazing for certain things. Now, we've discussed that a lot on HiFM. But what has happened, and I mean, what people, sorry, just to get back to that, it has only been a year. This was launched in November 2022, and it started out as a bit of a curiosity, and now I think it's got well over a billion users globally. And it is just flying, and it is just being built into the very fabric of everything we do online. It's built into phones going forward. Certainly the latest versions of Android have got some form of chat GPT built in. But mostly it was people's first real interaction with a form of artificial intelligence. It's not yet intelligent in any way, shape, or form. But speed, capacity, and the sheer enormity of the data that these algorithmic based large language models can access and pass through and go through in such a incredible short amount of time and then spit out the most remarkable results based on hundreds if not trillions of data points is just short of phenomenal. I mean it's as close to artificial intelligence as you and I could get to and before we go down that rabbit hole, in fact, my segment straight after this is all about the big steps that Google, AWS, and OpenAI have made in the last week or two. Um, a lot of conferences, a lot of announcements, and a lot of changes coming to AI over the next short while. But staying in that sort of trend, I, I, I spoke also about quantum computing in the next in the last few years, and quantum computing has been bubbling along as the next generation to computing. Now, current computing is binary. Very fast transistors switch between naught and one, and those two digits become binary code. Binary code underpins everything we do in computers, and multitasking, multithreading, multiprocessing of those basic naughts and ones in the code environment, gives you absolutely everything you do with a computer, smartphone, or any technological device that you have uh, near you, on you, around you, or anywhere. So currently all computing is based on binary, the binary code and the binary-based naught and one bit computing. But quantum computing takes it literally to the next level. And when I say literally, in every single Respect it takes it to the next level, and IBM, along with Google and many others, have been working extremely hard in that space to come up with the latest generation of computers. And IBM have just unveiled the first quantum computer with more than one thousand qubits. Now, a qubit is a measure of quantum computing. It is not the same as a bit, which is a measure of. Um, you've heard of megabits and gigabits and that sort of stuff in normal computing. A qubit is orders of magnitude more powerful than a bit. So a 1,000 qubit computers, and they've been saying that they've been doubling every year. So, for example, um, they unveiled this chip on the 4th of December. It's called Condor. It has 1,121 superconducting qubits arranged in a honeycomb pattern, and it follows on from all the other computing chips they've released over the last few years, and the 127 qubit chip in 2021 was pretty revolutionary. And the 433 qubit one, which they launched last year was again off the charts. And here we're sitting with over a thousand qubits. And what quantum computers promise is essentially to perform computations that are beyond the reach of classical computers. And the way they do this is by exploiting unique quantum phenomena, such as entanglement and superposition. and superposition. Now, I'm not going to get into that. Honestly, it it is the realm of science fiction, but essentially what it does, instead of using ones and noughts, which are binary, which are precise, they're either on or they're off. It allows multiple qubits to exist in multiple collective states at once. So they can be either on or off or both or neither. So you just go handle that. And, this chip can then compute within that environment at speed and scale that currently makes current computers utterly and totally obsolete. So even the most powerful supercomputers using warehouses full of, of processors that are custom designed for certain things, which is the way that hyperscale computing works today. You know, all the data centers you hear from Google and Amazon and everyone else all work on that basis. However, Quantum states or quantum computers are prone to error, unfortunately. There's some sort of fickle and somewhat random error that comes out. And both funny enough, um, IBM and um, AWS and Google are working on ways to figure out how that noise interference, etc., within the structure of quantum computing can be normalized and understood and taken out of the equation in order to create massive computers. But simply put, the next generation of quantum computing is forging ahead. It's going to ultimately, when they get all the bugs written out, and again, people don't even understand what you can do with computing. But, for example, the more variables you throw at a computer, the more processing power you need. The more variables you throw at a quantum computer – same computing power you need. So it will be able to solve problems like decoding the human genome in real time across 40,000 or 4 trillion people, for example. It can do things like measure and manage probabilities in ways that none of us could even conceive of. And yet none of us really understand quantum computing in any scale or in any depth, but understand that the big guys, IBM, Google, Amazon, probably even Intel, are working on quantum computing in a way that will absolutely make it the next generation of computers. And within the next few years, expect to see domestic quantum computers, expect to see quantum pop up in your smartphone, and the sheer power and breadth of what is possible once you've got a computer computer of that scale and that speed, well, I cannot even begin to know because no one does, but it should completely and utterly revolutionized computing as we know it. And before, I know i got down a rabbit hole of quantum computing, but before we break for our, our, our next um, ad break, just want to give a little heads up. You may have heard about it. Celci have finally sold their Spectrum and ECNS license to a company owned by Blue Label. Now, this finally con- confirms that Celsius has now become an MBNO. They own no networks, their Roman MTN and Vodacom's networks. Not that that makes a problem, you can still carry on using them. The challenge is, I've also read in the paper that CELSI are essentially insolvent, so getting rid of their spectrum assets probably makes a lot of sense for Blue Label. They can hang on to the most valuable part. Well, we'll come back after, we'll come back to talk more tech, and we'll talk about AI again straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Now, now that we're all healthy and nowhere to go to get our, our uh, checks, we need to talk about AI again. The last week has resulted in huge leaps forward in normal AI that you and I are going to land up using absolutely every single day in ways that we can't even conceive of, firstly, and in a in a slick, easy manner that just absolutely fits into anything that we do, so for example, even on Skype, even on Bard, you can turn on the ability to make um, to use AI in your normal queries absolutely automatically. so if you're looking for the nearest florist, you type in um, sorry about that, I must silence my phone, you type in uh, florists near me, I go into maps. All of a sudden you're getting a whole lot of information that was way beyond simply the names or list of names and addresses. But back to where this is all going. As I said in the intro, AI has only been around for about a year and Google took a huge step in the last week to bring their AI generative setup part right up into the um, chat GPT space. And for, according to them, they've exceeded chat GPT in every single parameter that ChatGPT is good at, and they're talking about double the speed and better here and better there. But all the reviews I've seen, and my little limited, because it only came out in the last few days, and the limited time I've spent playing with the tools, I would say that Bard and Google DeepMind and and something that they announced, well, what they announced was Gemini to AI. So their latest, um, they call it the Gemini era, and essentially you can go to their website, which is very simple, obviously being Google. It's ai.google.com. And if you go and have a look at that website, you could hear all the deep and, and interesting details around Gemini. But simply put, what they did is build a brand new framework around generative AI, which is the large lang- language model type AI that um, OpenAI and ChatGPT is built on, and so many of them are built on across the world. But they say they've built it for mode multimodality. So in other words, it's going to work in voice, it's going to work in visual, it's going to work in sound, it's going to work in type, it's going to work across all the various ways that you work, and it will reason, again, this is hyperbole from marketing, seamlessly across text, images, video, audio, and, most importantly, code. So Gemini now brings the the, the Bard AI or Bard large language language model right into the era and into the level of Chat GPT. Now Microsoft and AI and Chat GPT and OpenAI really did have the march or had taken the lead in terms of integrating it into the operating system, integrating um, Chat GPT into Office integrating it into the browser in such a way that it became a natural extension. You could ask so many things. You could start off. And again, just to clarify, it does not do things that it cannot know. It has to be programmed within a certain set of information, trillions and trillions of data points, so essentially infinite amounts of data. And within that data set, which is not infinite, the human brain is infinite, and the other things that are infinite that I'm not going to speak about in this show. But essentially, ChatGPT and all the large language man, uh, large language models are essentially an unbelievable collection of of information that can be used to output pretty much anything from code to videos to pictures to you name it to text. And for most of us, we've been using it in a in a very Limited way to create business plans, to prompt us to do stuff. But the trick in all these models is the questions you ask. If you don't ask the right question and you don't, you will not definitely not get the right answer. And that is very different from an informational source where you're simply saying, I don't know the following, tell me about it. And Google and um, all the various search engines would give you a list of everything using those keywords. Obviously, over the years, All of them have built a form of artificial intelligence or inferential type thinking. So just because you were asking about florists, it doesn't mean only the places with florist in its, in its, I I seem to have got stuck on flowers, but not only the places that have florist specifically in their tagline or search or meter tag or in the body of their, their, um, website, but anything to do, it extends it using Algorithmic learning to things such as flowers, flower sellers, anything, you know, extended around that, even nursery that literally don't say, um, florist in the the thing. So your searches, mine, all of our searches over the last few years have become eminently more useful simply because the algorithmic learning going on in the back end on all these platforms has allowed those searches to become much more contextual and much more relevant. And as they learn what you were doing, because you tend to be logged in with Google, it gets smarter and smarter. It knows you like certain things. It knows where you are and gives you results that are close to you. It knows your preferences. So you don't like this and you do like that. It tends to give you search results that work that way. But AI takes it literally and totally to a different level. Now there are three levels of, of Gemini. There's compact, which will run on smartphones, which is coming to uh, Google smartphones and, and um, that sort of stuff over the next little while. And the rumor is Apple has just not, not announced there. You sort of push into that space. So expect way more smart stuff happening on your smartphone in the next year or so. But, They've also got the pro version and the ultra version. Now the ultra version they say will only come and it's focused very much in business and pretty much it's what they use to do this. But Gemini pro they're bringing to Bard and what that's going to do, it'll again, allow you to unlock new ways to do all sorts of stuff. So it'll unlock the ability to ask questions. It'll unlock the ability to, to, um, to, Essentially, be more useful online, and essentially, and 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 the whole point of this is that they'll bring it to the entire suite as well. So, if you're in Google Docs and you're writing a letter, they'll be able to prompt you already. A lot of the um, the prompting that's coming in terms of tone, in terms of writing style, in terms of spelling. You know, spell check used to be the holy grail. I'm a terrible speller. Spell check has saved my life more than more times than I could actually count. But more than spelling now, in a Word document, using AI, using these generative models, it can start suggesting to you that that sentence is clumsy. It's unclear. It doesn't make sense. Um, you need to reconstruct it this way. It could be simpler. It could be less wordy. It could be more wordy. Who knows? But using all the information that these platforms have developed from reading tons and tons of of stuff, trillions of documents, um You now have the ability to use that intelligence in writing a simple little you know, thank you letter to a friend or um, what the heck is going on with my geezer type letter to the local plumber in flowing and very clean and descriptive uh, ways that you probably wouldn't think of. Now, it doesn't take away your creativity. And this is something a lot of people have asked me around AI and everything to do with AI. Is it going to kill jobs? Simple answer is no. Is it going to change jobs? Simple answer is absolutely yes. It's going to ha- happen. It's going to happen. doesn't matter which way you go. Uh, it's going to change what you do. It's going to change what you say. It's going to change how you behave. But simply put, you are definitely going to be using um, this type of AI. It will allow you as a coder to write or to start writing code immediately. And a lot of the coding that I've spoken to some coders in Is unbelievable. So, for example, if you're a data scientist and you're trying to pull information from a set of information or set of of data that built up for a business, you used to have to write queries in SQL. You used to have to write queries across the platform you're working in. Well, all of them are bringing AI to the fore there and saying the following: "Hello, um, why don't you just ask me what you're looking for?" So you want to know how many people buy ice cream on a Wednesday if the temperature is above 30 degrees. And you simply tell the AI that and the AI goes back, writes the script, writes the code, gets the information out of the database and sends it to you. Oh, it was 4,332 people on Wednesday the 12th um, at 12 o'clock who had bought so many ice creams. And that probably means the hotter the weather, the more ice cream you sell. Then you say, well, can you compare that to the last three years if the data exists? I pop a, a, a result from a natural language query. So that is fundamentally going to change what you do, and a lot of data programmers are going to have to find new ways to make a living. But ethical issues and all sorts of other issues absolutely make um, a huge impact in this. But essentially, the types of things you can do based on these foundational models, based on generative AI, based on how they are able to prompt you, assist you, clarify for you. And Google have also announced that they are starting to go through YouTube videos. So, for example, if you're watching a YouTube video on cooking, you can say to the the, the Bard assistant, Hi, how many eggs were used in that recipe? Or can you simply give me a quick uh, grocery list for the recipe I'm watching? You don't have to wait for the end. You don't have to read the comments anymore. It will simply say, "Oh, okay. In that thing, we used four eggs, three kilos of flour, two, two cups of oil, four nuts, and a little bit of vanilla." And you can. And then the best part is to say, "Well, where's the cheapest price across online? Is it Woolworths or they can pay?" So these are sort of real-world answers that potentially could be handled through the use of AI. But that's just Google. And again, having looked at the specs, having looked at everything to do with AI that Google announced and the whole Gemini era, they, they are now super competitive with ChatGPT. And don't expect ChatGPT to take it lying down. All the rumors around, they may have discovered a form of artificial intelligence. And that's why um, Sam Altman got fired Who knows? The speculation will remain rife. But don't think for one second that open AI are not going to respond in the next short while with the next level of chat GPT-5 or something that they're working on. And we're going to see even greater advancements, greater usefulness, and most of all greater accuracy because be careful of a lot of these models. If you ask the wrong question and you get this crazy or you ask a question, you get this like crazy specific answer that may or may not be true. Be aware that a lot of these models do have quite a high um, percentage of error. They are not 100% accurate, not even close. 85, 90% sometimes, and sometimes in certain specific, very narrow fields, even close to 100. But they're not infallible. They are essentially a guideline. So don't write your homework using ChatGPT. Don't offer, um, I mean, the scandal with the president having speech written by ChatGPT. It's actually very easy to figure out once you understand the sort of commonality of the responses that you start getting. But be aware that the augmented part of this ability to help people to accomplish more with less time instead of going through a ton of spreadsheets trying to figure out how to find that needle in the haystack, you simply turn AI on and tell it, I want the needle in the haystack out of these 37 spreadsheets. And guess what? It'll go through it faster than you can, and it'll deliver it to you more accurately than you probably could in the time you had available. Because one thing that AI is not distracted with is the telephone and people wandering in and out of the office or the weather or an ice cream or a bird singing or something. You know, some of us ADHD type people who – little distracted by stuff. Um, You know, it just will go through all the data in split seconds, give you the facts, and off you go. So expect to see an augmented platform for the foreseeable future. And they will build slowly but surely in a way that will allow you to stack tasks like a human does. First do this, then that, then the next thing, then the next thing. And build massive programs, build platforms, build solutions, build letters, build anything as this evolves. So AI will definitely take the drudgery out of life. It will allow a lot more creativity, which is not some, one of its, its strong suits. It will create music and art that is pretty amazing, but never at the level yet. And I say yet because nothing's impossible of a human being. And at the same time, in the same sort of week, AWS had their reInvent conference. And at their reInvent conference, it was all about AI and what they're going to do with AI and where they're going with AI. And AWS is the Amazon Web Services. It's the back end. It's what supplies Amazon with all their technology. And they've had years of figuring out what people buy, don't buy, and all the stuff going on there. And for years as well, Amazon has proven to be one of the most Slick companies in the world from a retail point of view, and again they're coming to South Africa. It was another news item. There's lots of hiring going on, so expect Amazon, uh, Amazon shops, Amazon selling to hit the streets, literally or the, the online highways sometime in the early part of next year. But that no one knows, but they're working on it. So that's going to be pretty interesting. But back to AWS, what they what they announced was something called Q, Amazon Q. And Amazon Q allows companies to create their own large language models, to take their own data, run it through the algorithm, and allow their own people to have at their fingertips access in the most granular way to all the information within a data set within a company. So let's let's say you're in sales and you want to know a company's sales going back 10 years before you had to get a spreadsheet, write the stuff out, do a little query. A lot of computing systems allowed that to happen, but it was clunky and cumbersome. But now you can say, I've had five salesmen. Those five salesmen have been selling to company A for the last five years. Um, I want to know who did the best, what sold the most. You just talk to your computer and it will pop out so much information on a natural language basis um, across anything and that is built into the Amazon web um, service it's available pretty much now you can start playing with it and if you're a business and you use Amazon web services for anything then new AI stuff is looking. Pretty amazing. But more and more, I'm noticing large platforms across the country, across the world, all the large Oracle, AWS, Microsoft with their Azure product, um, so many of the Google with their own product are going to have these natural language interfaces and they will definitely be specific to companies. So there's a real great business case there. You won't have all the random stuff or the global stuff you get from Your browser, you'll have to have, you will have completely, because one thing that a lot of people again do not understand, do not load proprietary data into, and that's why a lot of companies stop you doing it. If you load some proprietary data and ask BARD or ChatGPT to analyze it, that data becomes available to the world. Maybe not specifically, but definitely. From a cybersecurity point of view, um, you're going to see massive changes in this space. So on that note of AI taking over everything we're doing, we're going to have a short break for our sponsors. Then I'll be back with a proper in-depth review of a product I've been using for the last little while. And I think it could be a great idea for you know, sort of a pre-Christmas or even a Christmas present to yourself. We'll be back straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And talking gadgets, one of my favorite parts of the day. Seriously, though, I must say there's been an absolute dearth of gadgets generally. I mean, everyone's got some new headphones, and in fact, I'm playing with some great new Jabra Headphones at the moment, and I'm going to do an extended review on those in the next week or two. Um, earbuds are all the rage. Noise-canceling earbuds are all the rage. And the latest, I've got two from Jabra. Um, they're really good, I must admit. I'm not going to talk too much about them now. But my extended review of the week, and something that I've been playing with a lot over the last oh, six weeks to a month, is the Samsung Galaxy Fold 5 and i know i've spoken about it on air over the last little while but it was a very initial review it was just i just got it i just looked at it and a lot has changed with the with the um, samsung fold and essentially i i must say that the fold 5 obviously is the best fold to date as technology moves along but they've made two significant changes to the to the samsung fold 5 and that the first one is it actually literally folds flat. The hinge has been completely been, been re engineered and it literally folds entirely flat, which is quite a big, big deal. Um, and it 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 doesn't feel as let's put it this way, it doesn't sound as big as it feels. Literally. It is lighter, it is slimmer, it is flatter, it's slick in terms of how you can put it in your pocket and how you hold it. They've also increased the size of the front screen. There's still a caveat there. Um, The front screen is not nearly as functional as the opened-up massive tablet-style screen that you get when you open up the Fold 5. But it certainly is more than functional for everyday use, and it sits in your pocket easier. So from a a physical point of view, the edges are slightly squarier. It doesn't stick out of your hand as well. And I've just found that as a daily driver, as a device that I've used all day next to my Apple iPhone 15, it has proven itself to be without question one of the finest Android devices on the market. There are a couple of caveats. Let's get them out of the way first and foremost. One, it is stupidly expensive. There's no questions. As cutting-edge tech. It is expensive. Two, the inner screen is plastic because to fold, as it does, it is a little more prone to scratches. I've not scratched this one, so Samsung, you can calm down. When I give it back to you, you'll get back a pristine device. But it has no cover. There are covers available, and I would recommend them. But generally, you keep the phone folded until you use it. And when you're using it, you tend to be holding it really closely. It's a two-handed device. But the massive um, screen really does make a huge, huge difference with regard to productivity, scrolling the web, dealing with social media, answering emails. Browsing is just hugely beneficial apps less so. I must admit, most apps have now become fairly well-sorted for small, narrow, tall, thin screens. So banking apps and just general apps are are not much more functional on a massive screen like the Fold 5 gets when you open it up. The external 6.7 inch screen is more than good enough for doing your bank and doing your normal sort of day-to-day stuff. The the other huge benefit, we've spoken about the, the the cons, screen has a crease. This crease is better than it was in the past, but it's still noticeable from the side. If you look flat on, you can hardly see the crease at all. Two, the screen scratches. Let's get out of it. Um, and the cameras are great, but only S22 great, with a little bit of creaking. The underscreen camera for the front selfie camera is good, but again, not spectacular compared to the latest generation S23s and others on the market. but very competitive. I mean, for most people, they will not actually notice the difference in terms of screen quality. The S Pen also, which works specifically, there's a specific version for this, is not included, which for this price, I think, is a little miserly. But overall, it is lighter, thinner. Faster, much faster, using the latest Snapdragon processor compared to the four and even the three. The dif- difference in speed is is apparent and very, very, very welcome. The flat folding makes a huge difference with regard to feel and the way it sits in your hand and the way you hold it. Because before there was a gap at the back when you put your finger there. That's a little thing, but it absolutely does not have that anymore, and it just solidly fits in your hand and works beautifully. The buttons and the ports and everything around it are pretty much the same. There's hardly any difference with regard to what was there before. I do find the face recognition little off sometimes sometimes it works beautifully other times it does a bit of flaky stuff so sometimes you have to use the code to put it in not a problem on the front screen a little bit of a problem the inside big screen because it's huge got to use two fingers as i said this is a two finger phone but the build quality the service and support the software updates the built-in apps the slickness and the smoothness they've refined the the apps and everything to work extremely well with foldables using the latest version of of uh, um, Android 13, which I've downloaded in the last couple of weeks and has updated so many functions that work brilliantly with foldable large screen phones. So that has become a really seamless experience in your hand. It's lighter, which again helps, not a huge amount lighter, but a couple of percent lighter. And the, the frame feels incredibly solid. It is waterproof. It's not entirely dustproof. But when I say not dustproof, what i found, the screen inside gets a little bit dusty after sitting in your pocket for a few days uh, or in and out and in your jacket pocket or wherever you put it. And you just need a quick wipe, which can be a little problematic. Just careful. Don't use a hand and scratch it. Don't use a tissue and scratch it. You need to almost carry around a little microfiber cloth. The security of the device is excellent um, in terms of Android and the way it works and the, the way that the fingerprint works and everything. So, I mean, no complaints there. And it looks and feels like a top-end premium device. And when you pop it out and show your friends, you'll certainly be the center of attention for a long while. I know that phones have become somewhat boring and mundane, but this type of phone with such a massive screen um and the and the huge, sharp o- o- AMOLED, as they call it, inside, has definitely got brighter, clearer, and not sharper because I think the resolution hasn't changed from previous generations. But the question is, if you need a foldable phone with a massive screen, if you do a lot of emailing, a lot of web browsing, a lot of social media, then the Galaxy O5 is m- way more than a technological sort of, how would I put it? Cutting-edge device that you know, only for enthusiasts. It has become an incredibly powerful mainstream device for people who need more space. Phones are limited in their in their sort of use. Tablets have fallen out of favour massively. A lot of people don't use tablets. They don't uh, find much use for it. They find the phones do a great job. But if you need a lot more space, a lot more. Um, a lot more room to to work, a lot more room to do things, you will find that it absolutely makes sense to go for the Galaxy, you know, the, the Samsung Galaxy Fold 5. And I mean the Fold Five review without question um, has been a pleasure. It has been a device that I've found more and more useful as I've used it, not less and less, which often happens. It's in every respect a premium device. It's built well, it's beautifully um Finished. I've got the black version. The screen is waterproof. The power and, and processing, the Z-fold processing is top notch. And if you were a fan of the previous generation, from a 4 to a 5, would you upgrade? You've got lots of money, absolutely. But if you don't have, and you are sitting on any other version of, of the phone, from the, the 2 to the 3, or if you're looking for something that will give you much more screen real estate and you're a, a fan of Samsung and Android, this is without question. Are slightly reduced camera performance, um, both front and back, um, and also the size is more bulky. But overall, this is an exceptionally good phone for an exceptional price, but it certainly rewrites the rule books and it is not... um not boring in any way, shape, or, fi- or, or, or form. So check it out. The, the, the Samsung Fold 5 is definitely one of the coolest devices on the market, and you've got to pay for it, but it will definitely not disappoint. And on that note, we have a quick ad break, and then I'm back with an interesting app that was released by our government, would you believe. should be interesting, and we can discuss that straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back, and a lot of people are going to be travelling in the next few weeks, spending a lot of time all over the show. And I have mentioned many times on the show there's no roaming and Airalo, which are two eSIM providers that will allow you connectivity wherever you go in the world at Moderate price. The prices have really dropped. We're talking maximum 20 US dollars for plenty of data across both of those platforms. So check them out if you're traveling and you're going to foreign countries and you want to land, switch on your phone and just have it work. Both of them offer eSIMs only. And eSIMs work on most high-end and most mid-range phones today. So it's not such a limiting factor as it used to be. More And the ease and, and convenience of pre Providing your phone and and switching it on wherever you are just absolutely makes a ton of sense. So if you are travelling and you're leaving the country and you go in places where you absolutely can't work without a smartphone, and let me tell you something, it definitely, definitely um, makes sense to have a smartphone with you wherever you go today. I don't know how anyone travels using maps and Wi-Fi. Just completely and utterly. Ruins your day. You're busy hopping from coffee place to coffee place to hotel to free Wi-Fi, and mm-hmm. it's flaky. It's just not cool. Um, so check those two out. But here's something interesting: Dirco, the Department of uh, International Affairs, etc., has launched a new app called Travel Smart. And this Travel Smart app has been specifically designed to assist you wherever you are in the world. So now, hopefully, none of us are traveling to crazy war zones, though Israel could be one of those places. Um, But certainly, you're not going places where it gets super crazy. But what the app does, and I've downloaded it and used it, it does ask you for a lot of information once you're, you're... stuff that the government have anyway, so it's not a big deal, but that's your choice. But it'll give you f- local emergency numbers pretty much wherever you are. It'll also, in a few clicks, give you local assistance. Um, you can locate any assistance service around you in wherever you are, which is really cool. You can link and track your flights, which will give you warnings and updates to so that you don't miss, because missing can be Problematic and expensive. And it can also translate medical terms so that you can communicate medical needs abroad such as symptoms of an illness or discuss medicines themselves, which is sometimes you forgot something, you forgot your meds or you ran out of your meds or they got stolen yeah. or lost. So have a look at it. The app is called Travel Smart. You can get it in both the App Store and the Google Play Store. It, Makes a lot of sense. It gives you just a little bit of security in a foreign country. Again, that's if you've got the connectivity. Spoke about that. So check it out. I think it's pretty smart. It's, uh, called Travel Smart and it's from Dirco. D-I-R-C-O. And, uh, it's quite forward thinking for a government. I must say quite impressed. And on that note, have a fabulous artificial intelligence week ahead. Stay connected with all your devices. Stay smart with BOD or ChatGPT or whatever it is. And let's have a wonderful week ahead, till the same time, same place, right here on High FM, where we talk tech with myself, Stephen Ambrose.